Hello and welcome to Open All Ours on uh, the back of a very successful week. I'm joined by three other fans tonight. Paul Finney. Hello, Paul. All right. How was dry January? I didn't do dry January. Yeah, I know. I was a yeah, rhetorical question, I suppose. Is that a rhetorical Did you do dry January? No, not really. No. So it was, it, yeah, it was brilliant. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I recommend it for anyone. So what else have you been up to without mentioning flowers? Well, as that's what I do for nine hours a day, driving around. I saw Cl- I don't know if I mentioned the podcast, but I have seen Clive jogging before in my van. That was scary. Apart from that, not really, not just delivering and keeping everyone happy. And yeah. obviously watching QPR and feeling very happy this week. Good to hear. Let my long mate continue. And you've seen Clive jogging in his QPR outfit, and tonight Clive is wearing the Dennis the Menace away shirt from what year is that? They are final year. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty okay. small time, isn't it, doing the QPR pod and the QPR shirt, but I do basically just sit in the house now wearing old QPR shirts until they stink so much that they, <laughs> they go in the wash and get replaced by another one because I never go out. I go out once a day to jog. That was an unusual experience in that Paul Finney was... Ra- I was listening to the podcast and Paul Finney was ranting nonsense in my ear <laughs> as Paul Finney went past in his van dipping his horn and waving his hands in the air. It was like it was immersive podcast experience. I actually nearly Terrific. crashed into the whiff restriction, which is just further on. Because I, I was too busy going, ah, that was Clive Oh shit, narrow thing. <laughs> well, that is, that, 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 that is quite a horrifying experience. <laughs> I just can't even begin to imagine that. You've got Paul Finney ranting in your ears about gluten-free beer or whatever it was at the time. And then he drives past in the van. I think it was one of his gratuitous three mentions of his florist in the first minute of the Charlie Austin interview, actually, which was uh, which was really, really something to behold. But not what you need when you're trying to negotiate a, a steep incline on a five degree day in a, in a headwind. No, there, there was more mention of flowers in that podcast than a gardening podcast. It was, uh, it was incredible. But we know uh, Adam Rubens. Hello. Welcome back. How are you? Hello, chaps. Yeah, no, I'm good. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I think this is my sixth time, so double hat-trick. Is it six? I was going to ask how, how, how many it was, but I didn't realise. Well, that means we have to give you two imaginary match balls, which we've never actually managed to give to anybody. We could actually call him Gary Bannister. Could we? We had two hat-tricks against Chelsea. Oh, right. Very good. I'm happy with two imaginary balls. <laughs> right, I think we'd better move on. Um, okay, sponsors this week. I am going to do it this. I, I, I last time I was hosting, I um, events overtook me and I didn't manage to do it. But the sponsor is Liam Duggan, uh, whose fifty-first birthday was on Sunday. So very happy birthday to you, Liam! Um, and it was a very happy birthday the following night. So I hope you were able to celebrate properly then. Um, and the beers sponsored by or bought by Keith Horan. H-O-R-A-N. I think it's Horan or Horan. Apologies if I haven't got that correct. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Three wins on the spin. With the exception of Brentford, really, they couldn't have come any better than Luton, Cardiff and Watford. Um, Clive, we haven't been on for a while, so let's kick off with you. Yeah, nice change to come on after after a good result. Usually you get me in when it's all on fire. Um, obviously, the, the away form's uh, really impressive at the moment. Um and played well at Watford on on 
Monday. I didn't go in with particularly high hopes. They had the best home record in the division and then played quite well first half, I thought. And um, they were a bit odd. I thought they're set up. The whole thing, really, Watford reminded me of QPR under Harry Redknapp in 2013-14 in that they've got all the tools at their disposal, all the players, but sort of going through the motions with, you know, sort of second gear, handbrake on. I think their away record is is one of the worst in the league. They've got the best home record in the league. It's like they're doing just enough to stay up there. And I watched them on Monday and thought they kind of looked like a team that had never watched QPR play. Like the, the whole idea that we were playing a back three with wing backs seemed to completely surprise them. They It took them half an hour to send Saar up against Wallace, which I thought could have won them the game if they'd bothered to do that. They let Todd Kane rampage up and down the right all night. So at half time, I'm thinking, you know, we're actually in this. We're, we're probably the better team here. And then a goal completely of our own making. I think four or five mistakes in that ball. Wallace twice, Cameron. And I think we've, on the 12 occasions we've conceded first this year, we haven't won a game. So at that point, you think, oh, it's going to be a long night from here. But we kept going. Lovely goal of Charlie's, 50th for the club. And you probably would have taken a point, but we we kept going and scored that scored a really well-taken and skillful winner off a, off a good move, not taking the ball into the corner to protect a point. Um, and given what happened against Watford at Loftus Road, where we missed an absolute sitter to win the game in injury time, it was uh, it was nice to to see that one see that one go in. And with the results as they have been elsewhere, um, it's a good it's a good job they did. <laughs> Yeah, no, quite. I mean, we've, we've had a few occasions this season where we've definitely been the better team, but, but, but have not gone on to win because we haven't been able to put the ball in the net. That seems to have all changed since the uh, the arrival, the rebirth, if you like, of Charlie Austin. He seems to be on a one-man rescue mission at the moment. Um, uh, he's had four games, three wins, two goals, one hell of an impact. Paul, um, he's on fire, isn't he? He is. Um, the... Only the Derby game the other week being the small sort of fly in the ointment. It's been, you know, it's good. But I think, with, with, as we said before, with Austin's return, he's a different player to the one that was here before. So you can compare the two in a lot of ways because now he's creating play, he's bringing players in. As I keep saying, very similar to when Kevin Gallen came back. Um, he's doing more of that. So, but he's inspiring. And that was a really good goal by Albert. I thought Clive summed that up really well. Good move. Not like a team that's been struggling most of the season. That was... I think Watford might have underestimated us, I don't know. But, Keen, I, I, I actually thought I was in drugs. I won't lie. Because I just thought there's, there's no... And he was playing really well. Wallace did a decent enough job. Uh, the midfield, apart from Cameron trying to get himself sent off again, was, was pretty decent. And then, you know, I think we grew in confidence. And towards the end, you could feel that something could happen. And then when it did happen, I just wished... The only downside was I wish I'd have been there because I don't like Watford. I don't like anyone come to figure. I don't even like myself. But if you know, if it had been in, in Watford, that would have been a glorious evening to, to celebrate. And um, that's just a shame because we missed the 50th goal. We missed beating Watford. And um, yeah, I'm just worried about playing Loftus Road now, if I'm being honest with you. Because um, yeah. we're, doing, we're doing quite well away from home. But another another shout-out has got to go to um, the keeper. I mean, again, he, he pulled off a couple of really, really, really good saves. Um, I think we've really found one in him, and I just hope to God we can have him for another season after this one. Uh, that that'll be my my Christmas wish already to Santa. Can we keep the end for one more season, please? 
yeah, no, he, he, he's brilliant again. It was, it was funny after the uh, the penalty, uh, which Troy Deeney was going to thought was going to win our cup final. I think he said something like <laughs> that he wanted to see Seni Dieng next Tuesday. Um, so it, it was particularly gratifying that uh, we managed to um, to beat not only Watford but Troy Deeney. In some ways, apart from the QPR thing, I do you know when he came out and called out Arsenal that time on TV, I thought you know. Fair play to you. There's, you know, he, he says what he thinks. A bit of, you know, a bit of a refreshing change. But then the stuff with the QPR happened, and I went back to hating him again. I'll be honest um, with you. I'll be. Honest, I don't know where he gets a cup final thing from because it's. I like. I like beating him, and it's nice to play them. But it's a bit of a rivalry. But it's not a freaking cup final. Nowhere near it. No, it was just. It was just a, like you're a London <laughs> team, but we're a bigger London team than you. Basically, I think, wasn't it? Well, did, did you see QPR stats? They said on Twitter we've beaten Watford more times than any other. T- so it's 49 wins and 24 away wins, which is twice as much as any other other side. So, wow. Like I didn't memory. do that. Yeah. And, yeah okay, Adam, up your <laughs> Adam, now you're on, mate. Um, basically, I think uh, Clive kindly provided these stats, but we'd lost all 12 games before that when conceding first. Um, what do you think the difference is? What's the... Why are we now starting to, 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 to turn these results around and win games that maybe we wouldn't have done a few weeks ago? Well, um, for me, I think we've got a lot more balance in the side now. Um, you know, the average age of the, the team on, uh, on Monday was 28. So, you know, you, I think teams in the championship, they need a balance of experienced campaigners, uh, solid championship players, and then sort of young potential. And I think at the start of the season we were seriously imbalanced. Um, so, you know, that's why I've really enjoyed this window and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about that a bit later. But having, you know, Charlie in the side, who's very vocal, having Johansson, who is very experienced at this level, um, it makes a huge difference. So, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting is we were having, we were terrible second half performers not so long ago. We seem to come out in the second half of every game with our shoulders slumped. And I don't know what Warbs had been saying to the to the teams um, in the dressing room, but it all seems to be very different now. And I don't know whether that's because the Charlies of this world are being a bit more vocal, but they're coming out in the second half and they're having a right old a right old go. So it's it's very refreshing to see. I think the um, yeah. the, the second half thing, I think... Um, will be helped by Johansson because quite a few times this season when we've played well in the first half and, and poorly in the second, it's simply been that the opposition manager at half time has added another body to their midfield and taken the midfield over because our midfield's so poor. Um, so Johansson coming in will help that. Charlie coming in for me has changed a couple of things. Firstly, there's someone to finish the chances. We were creating chances and missing particularly, you know, Watford at home was a good example of that and, Fulham at home, Bristol City. So there is someone taking those chances now. Um, and also the team has maybe got a bit of belief back because of that. Um, you can. It's all very well saying if we keep playing like we played against Brentford and we keep playing like we played against Bristol City, then the results will come. But when they don't come, and the, what did we go? 10, 11 games without a win, then that belief starts to fade away. So just having someone up there to take those chances has helped. And also he is really mouthing off and being gobby on the pitch, um, which we've talked about all the time um, on here about being a problem. But it's not simply that we've put Charlie up front. The, since I, I, the last time I was on here, I think, was after Wickham away, 
when the theme of the night was basically stop doing the same thing and expecting different results. And he has actually changed to a back three with wing backs, two up front. And that's helped Cameron, although again, he wasn't great on Monday, but it's helped him because he's got two players either side of him to cover for him. It's helped Barbe, who's playing well, but has always been well suited to being left of a back three. It's stopped the fullbacks being so exposed as they were in a four. So the change of formation has helped a lot as well as it's not just Charlie's coming up front and everything's right in the world again, that the formation's helped. I'll tell you one thing was that Bob Bay clearance was pretty damn good, actually. I thought on Monday, you know, when he, he got you know, a, a, a different player, he's reading the game better, he's a lot more imposing, he, he, he's not giving away the same sort of free kick. So it certainly suits him. But Kim was the one, if I'm being brutally honest, that surprised me. I mean, we've seen a wee bit of a glimpse of it, but it's almost like a rebirth. Well, I don't, Adam, I'll. I'll I'll put this one to you and see what you think, because I don't know if I'm being harsh. Todd Kane on on Monday, fine, was man of the match, got the assist for the goal and everything. And I was I was pretty sniffy about him in my report, because do you not think it was just because Watford let him do it? I mean, they just, they didn't do anything about him all night. They didn't put a winger against him. They didn't mark him. They just gave him that whole half of the pitch. I think he must have put 15 crosses in uh, on Monday night. One of them at some point is going to be good. Well, yeah. yes and no. Because maybe they did underestimate him, but at the same time is he was put he might put in that many crosses, but this time they're actually doing something. They was actually putting the balls into dangerous areas. And yeah, I mean, you know, how Watford players up to them, I suppose. But yeah, I actually he did a good pass in the looking game as well, to be fair, Clive. And you know, he's been hammered a lot this season and he has been poor this season. It's nice that perhaps a couple of games it gives him his confidence, he might be a different player. I think I think the fans can sometimes be um, quite harsh towards some of our fullbacks. I'm not saying they're uh, they're great, but you know when we had Bidwell, Bidwell was a six out of ten every game. What we've effectively got now is five out of ten fullbacks. You know they're not they're not quite as good, um, but they're also not as awful um, as as people are saying. And I, you know, Kane has the ability at times to be a threat. And the key thing for me is, you know, if we've got Charlie in the side, we have to think about who's going to be assisting those chances. And in this formation, it's going to be the fullbacks. We don't, we're not playing wingers. So the crosses need to come in from the fullbacks. So really, most of our assists now are going to be provided by Kane or Wallace or, or, or Nico. Um, you know, Chair hasn't created a single assist this season. So, you know, we, we need these fullbacks to perform. And I thought Kane, you know, had a, had a very, very good game, albeit granted, you know, what Watford didn't really do anything about the threat. You know, that, stat, that stat about chair is why I love words does its own assist stats. Cause I don't trust the official one. Watch the Cardiff game back, the Cardiff home game and watch the Todd Kane goal and tell me why that isn't a chair assist. The reason is because on its way through, it takes a very slight flick off a Cardiff defender but he goes to the byline, he flicks it over some guy's head. He goes all the way along the byline, he pulls it back perfectly and we volley one into the top corner and Chair doesn't get an assist for that. I hate that they're so harsh with the official assist stats. I know it's, it's like a one picky thing, but it drives me up the wall. If you look at Eze last season, he's he's not going to deliver the same volume of assists that, you know, Eze was, for example, no, or Bright. So, no. you know, 
the stats were similarly harsh on Eze and Freeman before that. I would regularly have Eze and Freeman down for 14, 15 assists a year, and the division has them down for six. I, do, I don't know why they're so picky about it. Is he, is he worthy of a five-year deal, though, do we think? Paul. Say again. Sorry, Chris. Uh, I'll, I'll say to Paul. Paul? Go yeah. on, I'm here. I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm muting myself because I've got a dishwasher on. Um, okay. Do you think the, Jay's uh, worthy of a, a five-year deal? No, I heard, yeah. I guess you could hear the dishwasher as well. Um, the jury's still out in that one, and he'd have to do an awful lot more to convince me it was worth a, a four-year deal that he got last season. But, you know, there's nothing better than a player proving you wrong when you don't think they're good. And I hope he proves you wrong, shoves the words down my throat, and I'll happily apologise for saying he wasn't worth it in the first place. You don't so, think uh, you don't rate Cher, then? Oh, Cher? I thought you were talking about Keane. <laughs> Paul, what the f- stop the- jumping around on people! Why don't you move into a different room? I'm a simple man. Okay. I drive a van. I, I, I don't clean yeah. become the guy. No, Cher, yeah, definitely worth a five-year deal. There's, listen... With, with, with kids these days, they've got to learn the game. They've got to learn what to do. They've got to... We're too harsh on kids these days. People were way too harsh on Ezzy when he started. People are... You know, because people have got to learn the game. They've got to develop into the the player we all know they can be. Inside Chur is a great player. And I just hope we see the best of him in a range of shirts. So, yes, he is worth a five-year deal. And like Clive says, I think he does it. He's unlucky with the stats, as Ruben Adam says. And it's, it's hard, but... I think he definitely brings something to the team. And I, I, I'm a fan of his, actually. I think there's a lot more to come from that kid. Clive, um, is, he, is he the natural successor to Eze, do you think? I mean, I know they are different players. He's never going to be as good. I, I'd be, I doubt he's going to be as good as Eze. But, you know, we can't get stuck into them over the Manning and Bright contract situations and then criticise them at the same time for getting a, basically our most promising young player on a long contract. Him and Dieng are both signed up now. So... You know, I've, I've slagged them over the Brighton Manning thing. It's fair to give them credit for for um, Chair and uh, Dieng. The other thing that I I talk about this a lot on my on on our site is that these kids, as they go past fifty, hundred, and one hundred and fifty appearances, seem to move up a notch. And you saw that really clearly with Eze. Eze sort of had a bit of a lull around sixty, and then after a hundred appearances, was just a different player. And then he's just gone past one hundred and fifty appearances at Palace now, and he's tearing the Premier League apart. You've seen it with Chair as well. I think he's a, he's just approaching 100 now. He's on 80 starts and a few subs, some of which are at Stevenage. Um, You've seen it with Carroll too. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the fans, when we brought Carroll back, were surprised that he was a different player. Yeah, mm. and he was only a kid when he was with, was with us the first time around. So I do think, I think Chair's a good, a, it's a reasonable investment. You can never guarantee. Um, and they've obviously had some stick for giving players like Hammerline and such long deals, which I think was, born out of panic at what had happened at Brighton uh, Manning, but uh, chair's a, a good investment, I think. Okay, can I, can I, just, can I yeah. just do an apology for getting chair mixed up with um, Keane, which is easy done when you're an idiot like me. It's all right, Paul, we, we, we all accept that, that you're an idiot. Um, no, only joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to another, another promising player. Uh, Willock um, scored, um, scored, obviously, his debut... Uh, his first goal against Cardiff. Great assist um, for Austin the other day. Um, now, Wenger, when he was 16, he was at Arsenal. Put him in put, put him in a friendly, I think it was against someone on the league side, and said, when he was 16, said, technically and tactically, he integrated very well. So naturally, he lacks a bit of power at his age. But when he gets that, he'll be very interesting. Clive, how interesting is he? Love, will it? Yeah. 
Um, not sure about some of the signings they've made over the over the last few months, but love Willock. A uh, little bit lightweight. Certainly not a central midfielder, which we'd tried in the previous couple of games, basically out of necessity. But again, has played very, very few games. I don't even think he's at a dozen senior starts in his in his career. Certainly not at twenty. Um, so you know, maybe he'll fill out or or certainly grow into into the league. But he's he's got. He's got a great ball on him. We saw uh, earlier in the year Blackburn away. He came on as sub and was brilliant there. He's got his goal at Cardiff. And that cross, it, it does rather speak to what I was saying about Kane, though. We spent all night going down that right side. And then Willock was on for two minutes and, and put the cross in from, from there. I really like Willock. Um, big hopes. And Adam, same question. Willock, and also, we'll expand that a little bit. He's obviously probably going to get a few more chances now. Bright's gone. Do you think it was the right move? to just offload Bright for the whole of the season rather than to keep him and play him until May? Well, it was definitely the right move, I think, to to let Bright go. Um, obviously, saved us some money and wages. And if Warburton didn't feel that Bright was focused enough, then we you know we want players playing for the club that, that, that truly want to be there. I, I like Willow. Um, I don't really know what to make of him yet because we haven't seen... A huge amount of him but what you know he's definitely shown some promise in fits and starts I think the key thing for all these young players is is consistency and you know we we had the same issue with Eze when he he was younger people wanted him to be uh you know 10 out of 10 every game and it takes time for these players to get there I think chair will get there and I think Willock could as well so you know he's it's exciting to have players like that um in the squad and again, you know, when we look at resale value, you know, there could be some some opportunities around some of those players. No, exactly. What we have got to discuss really is that despite three wins out of four, um, we're still only four points above the relegation zone. It's all closed up a little bit. I mean, you could argue without. Can I, can I just say something about Willock? Because you didn't actually. Yeah, ask I'm sorry, me. Paul. Oh, my mistake. I, I, sorry. I, I don't blame you because I would avoid asking me anything, to be perfectly honest with you. But I'm just happy to be here. So as I'm happy to be here, I thought I might as well can you know say something. I suppose Chris, he's very good. <laughs> oh fuck me! What a diva! <laughs> <laughs> I think though, in all seriousness, you know, you can tell with more game time, he's going to be a hell of a player, and you know, and that's what QPR has been famous for for years. We all know is you sell a Sinton, you get a Sinclair, you know, you get a player to carry on from the other player and if we can keep doing that we won't be in a bad place and it's brilliant that the new formation is working and he's a much better player thank you for asking me Chris I appreciate the um, the question no problem but I want <laughs> you can stay on if you want because I was going to talk about that's nice of you thanks yeah despite <laughs> despite this despite these three wins despite this uh, re relative purple patch for us despite the sort of um, Midas touch of Charlie Austin we're still only four points above the drop zone. I mean, you could be, you could argue that if we hadn't converted um, those into wins, we'd have only, you know, we'd have lost six points and we'd be, we'd be second bottom now. Do you think we've got enough to get out of this drop now? Uh, and, and are you looking above the table or are you looking down? Oh, well, I think that he wants me to come in now. He's ignored me the first time as well. I'll, I'll give my say. And then what we'll do, Chris, we'll go round to Clive and Adam and see what they think as well afterwards. Don't forget anyone. Um, I feel like I've taken up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The Rotherham result, I kind of 
Yeah, I, I kind of thought that would happen. I mean, didn't we all really? You know, because it's, it's QPR, isn't it? It's, it's never going to be easy. But all we can do, in all honesty, is win our games. It's the old cliche, but it's so true. And then hopefully that'll be enough. And yeah, I do think. I think now with the players we've brought in, um, your wee man from Fulham, uh, field coming in as well, boosting that midfield is what we need it. And everyone playing a little bit of change information. I see no reason why we can't get out of it. That doesn't mean we won't because this is QPR. But I'm a lot more hopeful than I was after the Luton, uh, before the Luton game, that's for sure. Clive, same question. I'm more confident than I was at the start of the month. Um, our message board basically specialises in predicting that we're going to go down every year, and, and we never do. But actually, at the start of January, I was pretty concerned. I didn't see us, with those strikers, that midfield and those fullbacks, I didn't see us having enough to, to stay in, in this division. Um, more confident now after January. Um, the home form has to pick up. I mean, not only have we not won in six home games, we haven't scored in the last five of them. So, you know, that's you don't you don't stay up doing that. We're not going to keep putting these away wins on the board, I, I don't think. So the home form has to improve. The signings, yeah, I, the signings are sticking plasters. A, you know, a, a championship club that's signing Jordi Device from Hull Stefan Johansson, who started five games in five months, and 31-year-old Charlie Austin on loan, that's not a club for whom the pre-season plan has worked. That So they've addressed it. They're short-term sticking plasters. I'm more confident now they're here. Um, but yeah, is it... I wouldn't... <laughs> this is as nervous as I have been for, for a few years, to be honest. Uh, I think it's a really weak league, which might save us. Um and it was always going to bunch up this week because everybody below has played everybody else. Um, you know, if you want to glass half full it, if we'd played the Wickham game when we should have done it, and I think we all were reasonably confident coming off the back of that Luton game, we probably would have beaten Wickham, Charlie's big homecoming and whatever. I think we'd be four places higher. I think we'd be above Cardiff, Luton, Huddersfield and Millwall now, just with that what just with that one win. So if we could just put a home win on the board, that would be lovely. That would that would cure all sorts of problems yeah well, i mean is there any advantage to playing home or away at the moment that's the thing isn't it and um, in some clearly, ways clearly not um, every premier league game last night i think was an away win wasn't it um i mean i'm sure someone's done a study which says this is all nonsense or whatever but we're certainly not feeling the home advantage that we usually do from our unique stadium but if you know, if that's the case, then then we're not getting the negative of like having the 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 uh, when we go away having their fans on us and cheering on their team, but we're not getting the positive of our fans getting behind us. So I I, I can't see. I'm I'm trying to you know work out the juxtaposition here of why we why we're doing so well. It's not that there's, and there's not that there's going to be any extra pressure on us. I just can't can't work it out. I'm sure. I mean, there isn't any logical answer. Well, like I'll give you a, my stab at a logical answer is in our recent home games in the system that we play and the style we play, we tend to pass around in front of teams and they just sit there and watch us do it. And they're like, well, that's fine by us. Uh, a draw's good for us. And you might eventually make a mistake, which is what happened against Derby. Um, whereas away from home, the home, the onus is on the home team to come out. So we pass around in front of them and eventually they are going to have to come out and then the space in behind, which they might not do as an away team. That's my stab at a logical answer. Well, which is logical, but at the same time, it's illogical because uh, not not from what for you, but 
if there is no advantage technically, then why do you play differently away from home at the moment? Because because surely... football's stupid, Chris. It's a stupid <laughs> sport run by old-fashioned people who aren't you know aren't open to new ideas and think they know it all and talk about being a football person and a non-football person. It's a stupid sport. I'll tell you what, though, the three in the back, the three at the back, sorry, um, seems to have definitely had, certainly helped Barbe. Um, he, he looks, I, I don't think he's had a bad season full stop, to be fair. I think, you know, last season he gave away about 105 penalties um, and was a bit rash, to say the least. I think he's definitely improved this year. But in a three, he looks a lot more comfortable. Anybody? Paul? <laughs> why, why is it with the silence? You just shake my name out. It's weird. Um, I think, do you know what, Chris? He's had a like everyone else this side. They're up and down, confidence-wise, like a well, like a yo-yo to put it politely. And it's 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 difficult because the formation is changing. We we haven't had a settled um, defence at all. Um, and I think he's been helped certainly by the, the system we're using. But it goes back to what Clive said. Who he always says seems so much more better than I do. That should get me a pint in the crown. Um, <laughs> And that is, it's just having more mouthy players. And it is as simple as that. I think me and Clive both made the point after the Reading game, how quiet we were on the park. And that's not the case now. You can see that the other night. I mean, Austin was right in their defender's ear most of the game saying, basically, I'm going to score, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You mugged yourself off there, whatever. And that's what we've needed. So, you know, it, it's good. And, and playing the two up front as well definitely helps, I think. It's Because we need goals and you're not going to get them when you're just trying to hit teams in the break at home. But the home form, going back to home form, it does worry me, but, you know, that's Rangers, isn't it? But, you know, Clive's right. The Football League, it, it, you could almost play every game in a neutral venue, couldn't you, and, and finish the season that way, and, and then they would have had no problems whatsoever. And well, we would have won the league. Maybe it is. I mean, I know, you know, that the, the fans keep, you know, having a small ground can work for your advantage and against you, because if you're not playing well... You know, and certain players, we, as we know, throughout the throughout history at Rangers have been picked on. I'm sure it's the same at other clubs. And you can literally hear what everybody's saying. But on the negative side, you know, in that ground, if the crowd is really behind you, they're really behind you, you know. And if you're looking for that, it can obviously give you that massive lift. And clearly we haven't got that at the moment. Um, Adam, uh, we'll come to you now because you, you we've touched on the transfer market. Uh, Clive mentioned it earlier on. We're going to come on to the R's end in a bit, but... What did you make of the transfer market? Did we make the right decisions? Uh, and is it going to be enough to keep us up? Uh, yeah, I thought it was an excellent window for us. I mean, I want to come back to that point around um, can, can we get out of it? Um, because I, I think what this podcast needs is a bit of naive optimism. And um, I actually think that um, I don't see any reason why we can't finish top 10. And I, I genuinely believe if we can keep the core uh, players fit, I don't see why we can't now start to put a, a run together. And I think a lot of that has to do with the window because we have strengthened in key positions. You know, Austin, we've, we've all talked about and, and, and how much he's influenced uh, the team off and on the pitch. I think Johansson was an absolutely brilliant acquisition, exactly what we needed. Um, you know, we've strength, strengthened defensively. Um, and, you know, young um, Sam Field, I think, is a really good um, uh, acquisition for the club as well. A good age, lots of potential. Um, so, you know, I, there's no reason really now he's 
fixed a lot of the issues we were having in the first half of the season, while why we can't put together a, a bit of a run. Oh, that, 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 that is the most optimism I've Here, ever Adam, on the Adam podcast. Reid, Adam Reid, if I stuck five quid on with Charlie Austin joiners to get to the playoffs, how's my five quid looking? No, well, I, I wouldn't do that. And bear in mind, I've just taken a load of mushrooms before this podcast. <laughs> not, not really, kids. But I, I, I wouldn't bet on Obviously it. Obviously, for soup purposes, Adam, for soup purposes. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't bet on it. But, um, you know, I, I really think we can push on. Um, we've, looked, we've looked pretty good. And what we've shown when we've played the three teams that went down, Watford, Norwich and Bournemouth, is that we can we can beat anyone in this league. I don't remember a time for a long time where I felt going into any game, we've had a chance of, of winning every single game. Wouldn't wow. it be funny, Clive? Wouldn't it be funny? And I'm thinking that loud here. If we managed to sneak into the playoffs and got Brentford in the final. Paul, so, if, honestly, if, if we get into the playoffs, Paul, I'll give you the money myself. <laughs> There's absolutely no chance whatsoever. Um, Just to be clear, I said top 10, not playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> when you started it, so I thought, carry it on. We're 12 points off the playoff. I mean, uh, I mean, that would mean we have to win four games and everyone else would have to lose before we even reach parity. So, I mean, you never know. You never know. I mean, uh, Shall we look in again next week after we've lost at home to Blackburn again? Yeah. And, and, and see uh, and, and check the, the temperature again then. <laughs> before we get to the R's end, though, I mean, you mentioned... Hang on a second, Clive. Sorry, Chris. I know this is going to be a bit rogue. Hang on a wee second, Clive. Come on. Come on. No. You never know. Wasn't Palace bottom the league once and then they went up for some weird fluky results and blah de blah, blah, uh, blah They weren't quite bottom, but yeah, Dowie took over in January and they went from something like 17th to the playoffs. So what I'm saying, and I and Adam started it, so it's his fault, is why not? It is a crap this is madness. I, this is mad. You're it's all not... mad. Like, this, like I'm not. I'll I'll come back on in six weeks and we'll and we'll chat. Adam, but... Adam out of interest, Adam, who do you want in the playoffs to join us? <laughs> well, I, I don't think we're going to make the playoffs, but I I do think there's a lot to be excited about. If you look at Dieng, Dicky, Austin, Johansson. Um, you know, we've got some really, really solid players in the, in, in the squad now. Um, so, you know, there's no reason why we can't be optimistic versus expecting, you know, some sort of relegation battle. If this podcast goes on 10 minutes longer, I reckon we'll be going past Norwich. Yeah, uh, no, exactly. I think we need to nip this on the, um, the question on the Dickie and sorry, on the Dickie and Dieng point, um, because we did mention Dieng and he's obviously, you know, he's just, I love the, his starting position from wide set pieces and things like that. He's just takes the pressure off the defenders, comes for everything, which is perhaps what we were lacking before. So it's between him and Dickey for me at the moment for player of the year. And uh, just to show you what a difference they've made after, after 26 games last year without those two, and obviously all the problems we were having last year defensively, we conceded 48 goals at this point of the season, played 26. Um, and we've now, I think... Just check this quickly before I came on. I think we've conceded 28 in 26 now. So 20 fewer goals. And we've already kept more clean sheets this year than we did in the whole of last. Um, so they, those two have, have made such a difference. Um, at the moment, it's between those two for, for player of the year for me. No, I, I, that, that's amazing. But I, I will save you any further trouble, Clive, because uh, Charlie Austin will win that. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, you, just before we come on to our end, I feel like I've said this about five times now. Um, you have. He, you mentioned Brentford earlier on. Uh, we're playing them in, what, two, three games time. Um, it looks, I think they're actually the favourites to go up now. I mean, does that bother anybody, Paul? No. Seriously? I well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose so. I mean, I'm just more concerned about us staying up. Um, I, I suppose I'll deal with Brentford when I have to, but I mean, it just means we've got to put up with them being lurry for ages. But we can, if they go up automatically, we, we can still take the piss out of them for being shite in playoffs. Um, but do they deserve to go up? God, I, I've just done that thing. I hate people doing it, asking a question and answer it yourself. That drives you mental. They probably deserve it on play and how they've run and everything else, but I'd freaking love it if they messed up and didn't even make the playoffs. I would absolutely, apart from us staying up, it, even better if they come out of the playoffs. And you know what I'm going to say, guys? Are we go into the playoffs? Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> Madness. Madness. No, it's not. Well, I think that I think they'll go up on about it. I think them and Norwich are issuing. To be honest with you, I'll be surprised if I, if them yeah. don't go up. I said them and Norwich at the start of the season. I've seen nothing to change my mind. Does it? I'm gonna. I'm doing the Charlie Austin ask a question and answer. Does it? Uh, does it bother me? Yes, it does. Uh, but not because they're local. Um, I think they deserve it. I think it's a great model. Um, you know, they've been working on this for ten years. Uh, no parachute payments, the way that they scout and buy and recruit and sell for pro I just think fair play to them. You know, it's a, it's a great model. I wish that we'd done it half as successfully as them and had half the players they've had over the last 10 years. We'd be a lot further on if we had. It bothers me because they are a little bit sanctimonious with it. They are a little bit ours is the one true faith and everybody else is is an idiot. I'm sick of hearing that they're the best team that everyone's played all season. Like I actually caught them out in the playoffs last year because they were so full of it that Fulham actually used it as motivation. And the first thing that Joe Bryan said in his interview in the final was, well, they'd been chatting all this shit beforehand and, uh, and, and there you go. Um, so yeah, it bothers me because they're just so full of it and sanctimonious with it. And if they go into the Premier League and get that 150 million pound television money, I you imagine what they'll do with that considering what they've been doing with very limited resources to this point. So it bothers me that, but they do deserve it. Like they, you know, they probably are one of the better teams in the league and they've assembled it. Not like a Bournemouth or a Wolves or, you know, QPR under Harry Redknapp. They haven't bought, they haven't bought their way there. They've traded their way there. So fair play to them, but it is, it is irritating. But you know what, though, Clive? There's a mate of mine called Martin Kelly, and he's a lovely fella. And I, I've actually brought me fan off him, but he's not QPR, so I'm not going to plug him. Um, and he's Brentford. And his dad was ill when my mum was ill, and his dad passed, and obviously my mum passed. And he's a, he's a good mate. And we're talking, and he was said about being the Carlisle and all the places he's been to in his life with his dad. And I think for him and his, the memory of his dad, I'll be pleased for him. But I still wouldn't mind if they didn't go up. No, I know, I, know, I know plenty of Brentford supporters, and they're they're all good people. But so it's, it's the ninety nine point eight percent of the other ones who are arseholes. That, well, not arseholes. They're a little bit, you know, like Clive said. I think yeah, we'll stick with sanctimonious. Adam, before we go, Arzen, your thoughts on Brentford? Sixth time. Well, I didn't want uh, Fulham to go up, uh, but I watched the Leicester game. Um, and they were absolutely abject. So if uh, if Brentford do go up and they have a terrible time in the Premier League, I'll, I'll quite enjoy that. 
brilliant. That's a good answer. Okay. Right, we're going to go on to yours end. Um, I'll start. Um, Uncle Al, but first of all, the meme with him and Del Boy and Rodney was quite funny. I quite enjoyed that. Uh, and also dedicating his goal and the win to Dean McKee, uh, QPR fan, poet, 28 years old, taken from us uh, with COVID uh, last year. Horrific. Um, uh, and, a, and a lovely fella to boot. And I thought that was a really, really nice gesture. He scored his first goal for his boyhood club, the team he supported all his life. And his first thought is just to, you know, take a moment of reflection and then to dedicate the goal afterwards. Uh, and also Charlie Austin, Matt Shirt raised over 10 grand in that in that raffle. So so well done, both of you. Good on and off the pitch. Uh, okay, Adam, you're next. Uh, yeah, just on Albert. I mean, that was the coolest celebration I think I've ever seen. If I, you know, if I scored my first goal for the club I supported in the last minute, I think I'd run the length of the field, you know, removing every item of clothing. <laughs> so that was that was bravo to him. But um, yeah, just uh, just a point on Charlie Austin. Is it me, or does Warburton's face not agree with his mouth when he's asked about Charlie Austin? You know, everyone is asking him. You know, are you are you delighted that Charlie's come in and had the impact he's had? And, and, and Warbs is sort of smiling and pays him a lot of credit, but then is very quick to sort of change the subject and talk about some of the other players that have impacted the, the squad as well. I just, I, I wonder if uh, all is right at home between those two. I think as long as we keep winning, Adam, things, you know, he's, he's keeping, well, I think we all thought Warburton was for the chop, probably post Swansea and, uh, we don't think that now, and a lot of that's down to Charlie. So he's keeping him employed. So I think he quite likes that. But he, you know, it's been said publicly. So we're not we're not giving away any secrets here that it was a Tony Fernandez idea and signing. I think the club had actually been the people that run the club day to day had actually been chasing Glenn Murray um, where, when when um, the Austin deal came through Tony Fernandez. Um, and while we're winning, that's fine. But um, you know, Charlie's interview on Five Live where he was talking about how he'd told the defenders, don't think you're Ramos, you know, let's don't be afraid to whack it up to the halfway line and we'll have a 50-50 up here. That's the antithesis of Warburton's <laughs> style of football. So while we're winning, um, I'm sure it's going to be fine. What happens when inevitably we, we don't win? Um, yeah, um, let's let's see. But it wasn't it wasn't a Warburton signing and he's obviously not, from what you said, not the biggest fan of Warburton's preferred style of play, um, but it's working at the moment. So everybody's uh, really happy about it. Yeah, exactly. And Field sounds like a Charlie signing almost. You know, he's basically talking <laughs> him into coming. Um, do, uh, do, you know, I'm th- do you know I'm thinking, Chris? Sorry, uh, Chris. Sorry. Clive just saying that. It's just giving me this really good interview on playoff final day when we win the playoffs of Charlie and Warbs together and who they thank first and who takes credit for signing them and us going up. Oh, yeah, it'd be great. And who are you going to thank first for everything they did for the club, I wonder? If we go up, I'll thank anyone who wants to be thanked. It's been a coin, mate. We'll be back down by the time he's finished. Yeah. (laughs) Clive, Clive, I might as well go to you next because... Because even if I even if Finney comes on there, we'll find a way to get the last word. So I'll come to you, Clive. Uh, your R's end, please. Uh, Sam Field. I just I wanted to talk a little bit more about him, just because it means that I can finish on a positive. I'm aware that I've been a bit of a misery, as I always am on this podcast. But um, I like Sam Field. You know, unlike the other three signings, which, like I say, struck me as a bit sort of sticking plaster over problems that have been apparent for a while. Sam Field fits the. 
the what we're supposed to be doing if you if you like you know good age obviously fits in the wage structure because from from his interview it basically sounds like a permanent deal is is all agreed for the summer and he's keen to be here and get on with it um, my West Brom mate speaks very very highly of him he's a little bit Paul Smith at Watford in that non at uh, West Brom sorry um, he's a little bit Paul Smith at West Brom in that no none of their many managers have ever trusted him with any games but the fans love him um, also had a loan spell at Charlton interrupted by injury so he's a little bit sort of West Brom's version of Paul Smith um, but I like Paul Smith as well so uh, I think I think it's a good player at a good age uh, in a position we need to strengthen in um, I hadn't heard his name until it was announced which uh, you know is unusual in QPR land for them to keep it under wraps but was really chuffed when I heard it was him I hope he comes in does well and it is permanent I think of all the signings long term that one I, I really liked yeah, I agree. I, I mean, yeah, uh, on Paul Smith, I agree with that. I, I like Paul Smith as well. I was I was uh, quite upset when he was farmed straight back out again, really, to be honest. Um, but obviously, like you said, a succession of managers don't fancy him. But from what I've seen as a fan in the stands, um, which seems a long time ago now, but he, you know, I, I, I quite like him. I think I think what Wee Smith offers is something different. Um, but sometimes when you come from the Irish League or whatever, um, and you haven't had that academy schooling that you get over here, perhaps people are judged on that. I don't know. And perhaps they just, as you said, in fancy. I, I, I think he's definitely got something to offer. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good wee player in there. And good luck to the person that gets that player out. And I hope his career does go on because he deserves it. He's, he's such a nice fella. Like, like Eze, there's no, there's no errors and grace. It's just bang down the earth. But I don't think we'll see him again in the QPR show. Me neither. Shame. Okay, Paul, you've got the final word, as is your want. Off you go. That's not what I want. I mean, Chris, there's a lot of things in life that I want. The last one to podcast probably isn't up there, to be fair. I mean, it's not bad, but it's, it's not what I want. What I really, really want. Anyway, anyway, anyway thanks uh, for that. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, on a serious note, as he turns into... No, it's, um, on Monday night... A lifelong QPR fan died. He's been going to Lost Road for since his sixties, and um, Richard McLennan, and um, he had cancer, and COVID finally took him on Monday. So, I'd like to send my deepest sympathy and condolences to his wife, Faith. Um, I only met the fellow once, and much better people will talk highly of him in due course for the podcast because I want people to be remembered because we're going to be going back and there's going to be an awful lot of empty seats and uh, hopefully due the course of this season, next season, we'll, people who have been, who, who we've lost, we'll get people on to talk about them and tell us the, the background story of who they were, why they love QPR, what the club meant to them because we don't want them, these people to be forgotten. So that's, that, that's one of my Oz ends. My second Oz end is, was actually going to be, and Clive stole it about the home form, it does frustrate me, but it's probably the most QPR thing ever that we're now winning more games away from home than we're winning at home. So, and I was quite confident until he said Blackburn on Saturday. And now, during this podcast, I'm now shit scared to watch the game in case we get tanked. Thanks, Clive. Please come on the podcast again soon. Okay, Paul, well done for your odds then. Quick predictions then, Paul. Actually, I don't know what. Oh, the other thing is, the other thing is, <laughs> Clive, for those of you who can't see, Clive has actually collapsed onto his sofa. Uh, all I can see is his elbow at this stage. The other thing, I'm, I'm, liking, I'm liking everyone's lockdown haircuts, by the way. I mean, I know there's only footballers that can get haircuts, but my daughter cut mine before she went back to uni. And it doesn't really matter because I'm a baldy shade anyway, but she did okay. But Chris, Not you're studying hairdressing, clearly. 
No, she's studying politics, believe yeah. it or not. I don't know where she gets that from. Um, but yeah, um, Chris, you're, you're rocking a Groovy hairstyle there. Well, I did that, that is, again, it's another, you know, done at home by the missus. But yeah, left a few bits uh, untouched. But yeah, not too bad. My, la- my last hour's end, quite frankly, is stick five quid on us to get in the playoffs and go up. It's going to happen, people. You heard it in this podcast first. We are going up. This is our year. It ends in one. Why the hell not? Brilliant. Well done, Paul. Uh, we're not talking, by the way. Anyway, fire Blackburn prediction. Yeah, no, we're not talking. We're just, just trying to be funny. Yeah, we were. Uh, Blackburn prediction. Okay. <laughs> well, Clive started it. Go on, Clive. Sorry, what? Cheer is up. Go on. No, I'm, I'm after, after prediction. Prediction. I, Black- sorry, I drifted off into a world where this wasn't Black- happening. Blackburn school <laughs> finished. <laughs> it was a beautiful place. Uh, Blackburn. Uh, well, we got we got beat someone at some point, haven't we? At home, we're not going to keep going like this. Um, he says very confidently, um, maybe a win. Um, but whenever I say that, it doesn't happen. So I'll maybe a win. Okay, just say we're going to lose in that case, Adam. <laughs> Uh, stop the rot at home. Draw one all. Okay, I will say one nil uh, to us. Finney, Blackburn. Um, to ask you uh, three minutes ago. Well, they, this will be the game that will be remembered as the start of our climb towards the playoffs mm-hmm. because I think we'll go three nil down and then we'll turn it around to win five three and then from there on every game will just not be a problem and we'll storm the league. You Thanks for the mushrooms, by the way, Adam. They're great, aren't they? <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, thanks very much. Uh, not the most polished podcast you'll ever hear. Partly my fault, partly uh, everyone else's, particularly Paul Finney. Uh, but, yeah, wishing you all a good weekend. And when we're back next, we can report another three points and finally break that home hoodoo. Thanks very much for listening and take care. You are, are on the